0: Amen. Well, uh, thanks, Peter and Joe, for your leadership and for reading that passage for us. As I've prepared uh, to reflect on the story of Good Friday with you, I felt how significant it is for us to come to the cross of Jesus in these testing times when our whole world is united in suffering. And some of us are feeling so vulnerable and isolated. If you are just joining us today, as Peter said, our church community has been working through the Apostles' Creed, which is a simple statement of faith that Christians have been saying together for centuries. Uh, And the line we've come to this Good Friday is this, that we believe that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. And that reading we had captured that whole statement. We got the whole story of that. But what do we mean? What do Christians mean when they say this? Well, the first thing they mean is that they believe these things actually did happen. The reading we heard and the accounts in the New Testament are written not as some kind of mythical story but as eyewitness accounts. That's why we hear Pontius Pilate mentioned in the Creed. He seems quite an undeserving figure, really, uh, but uh, and um, actually in this case, In Jesus' trial, he's a very poor leader indeed. He hands Jesus over to the crowd, even though it's obvious he thinks that he's innocent. Pontius Pilate was a real person. He was the Roman governor of Judea in the years 26 to 36 CE, and he would have sentenced many other people to the same fate as Jesus. And even on that particular day, we see that there are two others crucified with him. Well, crucifixion was the form of capital punishment there in the first century. It was a terrible way to die. The scourging and abuse that we read that Jesus suffered, the shaming, the public humiliation, the immense pain in death, these were a severe punishment. But crucifixion was also designed as a warning for others. It happened out um, out in the open. So there were many... Witnesses to Jesus' death. We're saying that we believe our faith is grounded in history. These things actually happened. And what we're also saying is that we believe that the suffering and death of Jesus really matters. It seems a strange thing to highlight in your creed about the central figure of your faith, the one that you worship. But Christians are not embarrassed about this. In fact, we see the cross as key to our faith. It's the really glorious moment in God's big story. The lines of the creed before this one that we talked about the last two weeks say that we also believe that Jesus is the only son of God, that he himself is both fully God and fully human, that his coming into the world was part of God's plan from the beginning. This is a plan to restore the world and to rescue people from the power of sin and suffering and death so that they can live in peace with God and one another forever. If you look in the Bible, the Old Testament prophets talked about this plan and the people of Israel in Jesus' time were really looking forward to it being fulfilled. And many came to believe that Jesus was the one who would bring about God's promises to fulfilment. So when Jesus' life ended like this, what did people make of it? And what are we to make of it? Certainly at the time, Jesus' friends were not anticipating it at all. They were terrified when he was arrested and most of them ran away. Mark tells us here that just a few women disciples were left standing at the cross on Good Friday. No one expected God to fulfill his plans like this. Although actually Jesus himself knew, and he spoke about it pretty plainly. If you go back in Mark's Gospel to chapter 10, you see a conversation that Jesus is having with his friends. And this is what he says. I'll read it to you from verse 33, chapter 10. We are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And we'll hand him over to, to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. It's so clear, isn't it? It's clear for us to hear what he's talking about. But the disciples did not understand. It's so out of the box for him them. And they start to actually carry on again in their own framework. They're saying to Jesus, well, who is going to get to sit next to you in your glory in Jerusalem? Who's your favourite, Jesus, they seem to be saying. And Jesus replies to them and tells them that if they want to be great like him, they need to become servants. In verse 45 he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Christians believe that Jesus' suffering and death matters because it's God's way of making things right in the world. Jesus comes to serve us, to pay a ransom for us with his own life. On the cross, he pays the price for our individual and collective failure to worship God alone and to love and serve other people. Crucifixion is God's victory over all of this. I like that Jo stopped and said that her favourite part was when we got to that Roman soldier because can you see that here in Mark's account that he is the first person to really get this. I love it too. Can you imagine being a witness to Jesus' death on that day? It was sort of a normal day at work for that soldier but strange things started to happen. In verse 33, right in the middle of the day, darkness comes over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Jesus' death is a cosmic event. The light of the world, the very source of life, is dying. And then in verse 38, that very strange detail, the curtain in the temple tears in two from top to bottom, right at the point of Jesus' death. And that curtain had signified a separation between the holy God and sinful people. Only a priest who had undergone purification rites had ever been able to go beyond that curtain with an offering to God. But in that moment when Jesus dies, those old ways are ended. He has made lasting peace between us and God, and that is what Christians believe. Well, when the centurion who stands there and sees how Jesus dies, he says, surely this man was the son of God. He sees not just another crucified man on the cross, but the majestic Lord of the universe, not just King of the Jews, but the glorified King over all creation and over us too. And if you can see this too, then I hope you see what wonderful news it is that even now, We fear the spread of disease, times where we feel powerless and isolated. When every day on the news, we check to hear the statistics, we hear the death toll rise, we wait to see what happens next. We can look at the cross of Jesus and be reminded that God himself has entered into the middle of our pain and he has won victory over it. Paul writes, in his letter to the Romans, that now nothing can separate us from the love of God. Well, the declaration of this Roman centurion, his recognition of who Jesus is, is a good place for us to enter into the story ourselves today because that's what I want to invite you to do, to spend some time at the cross today. I don't know if you have an isolation project or an ISO project, as we've started to call them. Um, You know, I'm I'm looking at my friends on Facebook and they're building fences and I saw Flick made hot cross buns this morning and doing all these amazing projects that we normally don't have time to do. I had some great ambitions a couple of weeks ago. I think I'm pretty much down now to um, getting the laundry done and growing out my hair. But uh, I have a project for you that I think is less about doing and more about being. I want to suggest that in these days ahead, we learn to be more with Jesus. Now, perhaps you've actually never thought about the significance of Jesus for your life. Please take the opportunity to do it now. We are all taking stock at the moment, working out what's really important, what the meaning and purpose of our lives really is. How about taking some time to read the whole of Mark's gospel and see who you think Jesus is? And if you come to that same conclusion as the soldier did, then you can follow him too and allow his suffering and death to ransom your own life. The message of the cross is that God has gone to great lengths to make peace with us and he welcomes all who believe in him. If this is you, and you want some help to do this, please let me or Peter know, or someone else who is already following Jesus that you trust. If you are already a believer, a follower of Jesus, then I invite you to stay at the cross a little longer this Easter. I must admit that my favourite day of the year is Easter Sunday, and last year's Easter seems a long time ago, doesn't it? But I have very fond memories of sharing that abundant communion feast together with you outside in the sunshine at the school. It was a really joyful time. And Easter Sunday is still coming, but this year it's not gonna be quite the same. I think the vibe of Good Friday, the quiet grief and reflectiveness of today is actually gonna shape our experience of life for some time. So we need to learn to linger at the cross. Now, this is not easy. It's hard to be like those women in the story. It takes courage. They stood at the cross faithfully all that day. Then they gently bore Jesus' body and laid him in the tomb. It was hard, but I think they did it because they just wanted to be close to Jesus, even though they were powerless to change anything By staying close to him, they dignified his death and they proved faithful to him as he was to them. Or could we learn to be like this, to take time to stay and reflect with Jesus in prayer, to sit at the foot of the cross? Maybe this is a pattern that you will set up in the day ahead, a turning to him throughout your days. I've got a few ideas of what you might do at the cross if sitting still and being still is not your thing. You could be thankful. When you sit at the cross, think about all the good gifts that you still have in your life and thank God for them. At the moment, I'm thankful um, when I hear the news that parts of our creation are flourishing again. We have great concern for our environment and we still have much to do, but it is good to see that God is at work. That the Himalayas are visible from the north of India, that the canals in Venice are running clear, and that the sky is blue over Wuhan. Thank the Lord for this. But most praise Him for His death on the cross, for the way that He serves us in life and death. You can sit at the cross and worship Him. And when you do this, I think you will find that your joy increases. The other thing you can do at the foot of the cross is lament. This is, I think, what the women were doing. Bring your pain and sorrow and questions to Jesus. I confess that I find this hard to do sometimes. I prefer to put it off. I take a stoic approach. It's easier sometimes to say, this is happening, but, well, it will pass. Or uh, this has happened to me, but at least it's not what's happened to this other person. And perspective is good, but lament is also good. Letting God into your lived experience at this time is worthwhile. And Jesus sets the example for us on the cross. When he cries out to God, when he feels abandoned by him, he still cries out to him in that moment. When we bring our lamenting to the cross, we see God there identifying with us in our pain. Well, you can talk to God about your sorrows and whatever personal disappointments and anxieties you have. You can talk about your concern for loved ones that you're separated from and for the world day by day as you see things unfold in the news. You can share with him your helplessness and ask him to lead you into new ways of serving others like Jesus. The other thing that might happen as you sit at the foot of the cross is that you become aware of your own failings at this time. I know that I am living here uh, 24-7 with my family, much more aware of um, the ways in which I hurt people, the ways in which I fail to serve them and I serve myself. Don't be afraid to confess your failings to God. He's always ready to forgive and restore us. Jesus' death brings us close to him. Well, I know that some of you have no time for isolation projects, there are some of you who are working harder than ever. Or maybe you're preparing to work as you never have before. I wanna acknowledge all our health workers and others who are providing those essential services for us. I wanna point out too, that you are serving us in a Christ-like way, putting our interests before your own. So thank you But I also want to say to you that you are not Jesus. And so can you take some time each day, perhaps at the start of your day, to fix your eyes on him and let him serve you too. Cling to him and his cross. And when you don't know what to do, just let him accompany you through your days.